Dowdy back on the High Motor Podcast. Chase Kitty back with me. This is the first, I look at it as a first postseason episode. You know, we had the rankings reaction uh, a few days back, but this feels like the first, the season is over, only bowl games are left, playoff way down the line, coaching carousel is spinning. We, we kind of know what jobs are opening, what jobs have closed, what jobs might open as people leave for other jobs. But it feels like the, the first, the season is over episode. And Chase, before we get to the, this episode's topic, which I'm really fired up about, dirty little secret for you here. I'm kind of okay with the season being over. Is that outrageous? No. Uh, I think the big difference between basketball and football for me is when we get to March and April, I'm like, man, I could do another two months of this. Like, inject this shit into my veins. Like because all that February stuff. college basketball is the most underrated period of sport and it's it's fast it you can watch a game you can go in and go out or even watch a half and it doesn't like it, it's not your day but like football it takes it out of you and when you get to december you're like man that was awesome i'm kind of glad it's over and i'm looking forward to like going on to a new season but then i'm gonna miss it like the day after the national championship maybe not the day after like the weekend after the national championship game well no because we'll have nfl playoffs after the Super Bowl, like a week after the Super Bowl, that's when I'll start actually missing college football. And then that kind of slowly builds and slowly builds and it reaches a pain. But right now, we're sitting here talking about December 11th. I'm I'm okay with it. I feel good about how the season went. I think it was better than last year. We had more scenarios this year. It feels like last year, nothing really happened during all the playoff rankings. We didn't have any chaos. Like Notre Dame just, just sat there. Everybody just sat there and everybody just won. Whereas this year, I feel like... We got everything this year, and I'm happy with it. And I know you're an FCS playoff guy, and I'm not, so I don't pay attention to that all that much. But to me, it feels like the college football season is over. I'm not a huge bowl guy. Can't wait for the playoffs, but now I'm feeling really good about this. All right, I've been looking forward to this episode uh, for, for a while now since I thought of this because I think this episode is kind of it's kind of what defines college football, in my opinion. It's those single plays that that happen and at the time we think they're huge whenever that is week zero week one week 10 week 12 conference championship whatever it's these single plays that when it happens we think they're massive we don't know exactly how big they're going to be in the playoff picture down the line that's kind of what makes them fun they feel so big in the moment we don't actually know what they mean and even though ultimately so many of those plays don't mean anything that we think they do at the time we say holy shit at the time and then six twelve whatever weeks later they ultimately mean nothing so this episode is dedicated to those single plays that actually did mean something, and we can go back and look over however many tens of thousands of plays in college football this season, and I think there are five that stand out. Now that we have that final playoff field, we know which single plays were the biggest this season, and when I say biggest this season, I'm saying the plays that define the, the playoff field, that put those four teams in and kept whatever number of teams out. So on this episode, we're going to go back to those five plays that we believe shaped the playoff field. And uh, Chase, you have a couple more that you wanted to add to the list. We'll talk about those at the end. And one caveat here. Yes, we have no idea what may have happened if this team won this game or lost this game in September. For example, spoiler, we're going to talk about that Auburn-Oregon game. So let's say Oregon did end up winning that game. We don't know how that would have affected them down the road, how it would affected Auburn, how it would affect their psyche, mentality, whatever. Things can play out differently. I am very much in that camp all that time. But for the sake of some fun podcasting here, nobody cares about that depth. We don't care about having the conversation saying, if Bo Nix does not convert the fourth down, Oregon wins that game. How does that change 
Oregon's uh, mental, whatever you want to call it, down the road. Maybe they would have lost a different game. Maybe they would have won a different game. We're not going to play that game. We're just going to have some fun today. So, again, single plays. This is an entire game. Like Utah's Pac-12 championship loss kept them out of the playoff ultimately. But go back to that game. Even though Utah was in that game despite Oregon's fast start, they kind of came back a little bit there. There wasn't one single play in that game we can point to and say, if this one play went differently, the game probably ends differently. We're confident that if one play went this way, Utah won that game. That didn't happen in that game. Same as Georgia LSU. So that's not what we're doing here. We're not saying one play or we're not saying the biggest games or whatever. We're saying one single play. We're confident the outcome would have been different. We would have had a different playoff field. We had to leave several plays out. Like I said, Chase has a couple to add at the end here. We have five for you. We had to leave several teams out, but I'm really curious your thoughts too. What other plays were these single plays that define this year's playoff field? Without this single play, the field is different. Tweet at us, at High Motor Pod. Always love to hear your thoughts. The first part of this is a twofer. Two of these five plays are coming together because it's in the same discussion, and then three plays after that. Here we go. Knicks under center. Rolls out. Will he try to run it? Yes, dives! First down, Auburn. It's right at midfield. Hill's going to come from behind for a month. Now with the lead, they're getting a little wobbly. But a downfield shot to Ayuk! A foot race! They won't get him! Wow! Both, obviously, Oregon plays. Let's talk about the Auburn play first. That clip was Bo Nix's fourth down run with a minute and some change left. I think there was like a minute 20 on the clock. Kept them alive in that game. And here's... Here's why we picked the fourth down play instead of that game-winning touchdown that's going to be on all the highlight reels. On that touchdown pass, if that pass is incomplete, there's, I think, like 10 or 11 seconds on the clock, depending on where the ball fell. Auburn is still at the 26-yard line, zero timeouts, one of the better kickers in college football in Andres Carlson. He wasn't elite from that distance this year. I went back. He went 7 of 14 from 40 to 49 yards. He's 10 of 19 from that distance in his career. But still, you love your odds. You're indoors. Maybe Auburn gets like a five-yard outplay to make it better. He kicks a field goal with five seconds left. So even without that touchdown, if that pass is incomplete, I still love Auburn's chance to win that game. If they don't convert that earlier fourth down, however, if Bo Nix does not run for exactly three yards, they don't win that game. The game is over. They only had one timeout, 123 on the clock. Game is over. Okay, on that second play you heard, the Arizona State uh, third and 16 touchdown late in the Oregon win. This one is really interesting. Arizona State was up 24-7 in that game midway through the fourth quarter. Oregon makes it 24-21, and then Arizona State had that third and 16 with just over three minutes left from their own 19-yard line. If they don't convert that, Oregon is down three with good field position. Their offense is finally rolling. Give me Oregon in that game. Right, Chase? Give me Oregon in that game. I am very confident that they win that game if Arizona State does not convert that. They're going to get the ball at their own 40-yard line at worst. Yeah, they have all the momentum in the world. They get they get the quick stop, and then they're coming back, and they get the ball at midfield. I mean, this is like a gambler's dream, right? You want to come in hard on that spot. So you, you feel like Oregon is going to take that game, and then, I mean, you just throw the ball up. It was busted coverage. The receiver beats the corner, but that's not the egregious sin. If you go back and watch the play, I have no idea what the safety is doing. The safety is like 10 or 15 yards away, and I, and I don't know. I don't have the full chart of the play, so I don't know if Oregon got complicated with some of their receivers and if they did something to keep that safety sort of in no man's land. But that play ends up going for 86 yards or whatever, 
because the safety is so far away from the receiver that he just doesn't have a play and the corner gets beat. And that's ultimately what turns the game uh, definitively probably for, for Arizona State. Yeah, we both agree that we'll take this kind of two different scenarios. We both agree that if one of those two plays goes Oregon's way, it's 12-1 and Oregon Pac-12 champs. So Arizona State gets that 81-yard touchdown pass. Oregon, barring a, a miracle of epic proportions, is then out of the playoff with their second loss. It's something that we talked about. Yes, they maybe could have technically still got in, but they, for, for all intents and purposes after the Arizona State game, they were out. So a few things on this. We can agree that Oregon wins that Auburn game if Bo Nix doesn't convert the fourth down. Unless they, they fumble uh, and kneel down, they win that game. So going back to the Arizona State game, if Arizona State does not convert, again, we're confident saying that Oregon will win this game. 100% confidence? No, but we're very confident that they win this game. So two different scenarios here. Because we've just seen that game before, right? The the better team is on the road, gets off to a slow start. They come back late, and, and they take care of business. Like, everybody's seen that yeah, game Yeah, that's before. not new to college football. That's what every college football fan is dreading there. As we talked about uh, a few days ago on, on the podcast, every, non, every non-Arizona State fan, or excuse me, every non-Oregon fan, is cheering for Arizona State unless you have some sort of financial or emotional investment there. Every college football fan comes to college football to see a game like that. They don't want Oregon to win. So anyways, yeah, and, two... and let's let's tie it to a recent game, right? As soon as you saw Ohio State go ahead of Wisconsin, that game was over, right? Right. I would love to see TV ratings for that. Anyways, two scenarios here. So if Oregon, we'll say this one, if Oregon gets one of those plays to go their way, they're 12-1 and Pac-12 champs. Where does 12-1 and Pac-12 champ Oregon fit into the playoff picture? And one more caveat here. When we're doing this, we're saying that everything else remains the same. All we're doing is just changing one play in college football. Everything else happens. LSU finishes 13-0. Oklahoma beats Baylor in a Big 12 championship game. Everything else stays the same. So if we have Oregon 12-1 and Pac-12 champ, one of those plays goes their way. Where do they fit into the playoff picture? Are you certain that they're in? Okay, let me before you before we do that. Can I ask you something totally different? Please. Okay, if you're Oregon, would you rather win the Arizona State game or the Auburn game? If you could magic one of the losses into a win, which game do you want? I think you want the Auburn game because, as we've seen before, when a team, it's kind of like uh, a few years back when we had so many Big Twelve teams clustered like in the top fifteen to twenty of the playoff rankings because they were winning all their games, and yes. Auburn's a better team than those Big 12 teams were playing back whatever year that was, like two or three years ago. But when you get that big of a cushion, when you play those bad of teams, it's kind of like Minnesota this year. Like if they had played Penn State early on, they would have shot up to the top and they would have stayed there. But it took them so long to get up there because they didn't play anybody. So I think you want that or that you want that Auburn win to get them to the top. And even though the Arizona State loss would suck, I don't think whether that's subconscious in the committee, I think you want the Auburn win. All right, here's why I think it's Arizona State. We have seen an infinite number of times, it seems like, over the last 20 or 25 years, dating back to the BCS era, dating back basically the entire 21st century, you don't want to lose late. You can handle a loss early. The Auburn win would unquestionably be better than the Arizona State win. Auburn is a good team. They're going to finish ranked. like They're they're the best three or four loss team or whatever they are in the country, right? But if you lose to that Arizona State team late, you never know how it's all going to shake out. Yeah, you you're never right. know how you're much right. you're going to fall. That, that's the Ohio State-Virginia Tech factor right there. You're right. I'm wrong. You're absolutely right on that. Yep. So anyway, going back to your original question, uh, where does Oregon end up? I think they end up third. I, I think despite the idea 
that I think most people probably agree on. Wait, third with which with which play going their way? Either of them? I think either of them. Yeah. Really? So if you think they lose, they beat Auburn and lose to Arizona State, you think they're ahead of Clemson? You think a twelve and one packed? Oh, you know Oregon what? I've finishes... totally I've totally screwed this up in my head. I they're fourth, and right. Oklahoma's not in the field at all. Right. I, I was gonna. I was shocked there, but I was curious to hear your reasoning. I that, agree. You know I think what that is? That's you shouldn't go to happy hour before you do a podcast. That's your own fault. Did you have a good time though. It was great. Did you spend some money? I spent a little bit. Good for you. It was. It was uh, turns out it was the girl next to me's birthday. Guess who's paid for all the drinks? Not her. <laughs> Oregon twelve and one. They're number four. I don't know if there's any debate on this. And when we get to some of these other plays, I think there's more of a debate. I think Oregon is number four. Let's take the other scenario. If Oregon gets both of those plays, 13-0 Oregon. Remember, I think we agree that they're two plays away from being 13-0. Oregon finishes 11-2 Pac-12 champ. They're two plays away from being 13-0 Pac-12 champs. If that happens, where are they? I think they're ahead of Clemson comfortably. Are they in the conversation for one or two, or does the the Pac-12 perception hurt them even though they would have some nice wins? I think the Pac-12 perception hurts them. I think if we've seen anything over the last couple years, it's the teams that have multi-year established success, and I'm looking at you, Alabama, and I'm looking at you, Clemson, they get the benefit of the doubt way past where they probably should. Alabama didn't fall out of the top 10 this year until they lost two games, and they had zero quality wins. So I, I think, like, sorry, I don't think Duke is a good win in September. I just don't. So I think when you look at Clemson, you have to make it definitive that you're better than they are. And the committee, I think, has made it pretty clear over the last five years that it's not just a body of work, what do you deserve conversation. If they watch Clemson and they watch Oregon and they think Clemson is better than Oregon, they're going to put Clemson ahead of Oregon. That's what we saw with Ohio State, I think, for a lot of this year. So... I don't know as, as good as Oregon was, and, and even if we all agree they're two plays away from being in the playoff or one play away from being in the playoff, I, I don't know how you look at them and think they're better than Clemson. Really? So you don't think that 13-0 Oregon with the Auburn win, with a blowout of Utah, Clemson has the worst strength of schedule of any playoff team ever by a mile. You think that Oregon would be, and I'm I'm – I don't think they should be, but maybe you're right and that that's what the committee did would do. Do you think they should be behind Clemson, though? Or that's what you think the committee would do? I think that's what the committee would do because— But you don't think they should I be. can't think of one time since we have moved to this playoff model in FBS football, I can't think of one time that the committee has prioritized what does a team deserve over what does a team look like. I mean, go back to— Almost any example, right? Penn State wins the Big Ten. Ohio State goes to the playoff, didn't even play in the Big Ten championship game, right? Because the play, the committee thought Ohio State was the better team, and they were correct. It, it's not about, on this model, the way it exists right now, it's not about what do you deserve, it's about who's the best. And they've made that pretty clear. Kicked ball, intercepted! It's McQuabble again! That was Jake Fromm's interception on the first drive, first overtime in that ugly loss to South Carolina. If Tyler Simmons catches that ball, it's first down Georgia at like the 15-14 yard line. I am extremely comfortable saying Georgia wins that game if Simmons catches that. Chase, I think you agree, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Georgia is undefeated entering the SEC championship game, so we would have 13-0 Ohio State, 13-0 LSU, 13-0 Clemson, after all those the champ- conference championship games, obviously. And we're saying that Georgia still gets blown out by LSU. Even though Georgia would not have that South Carolina loss, we're still giving them the LSU blow. That still happens. LSU, or excuse me, Georgia is still smashed by LSU in the ch- SEC championship game. Does Georgia stay in? Are they number four in the field over Oklahoma if they did not lose to South Carolina and they still got blasted by LSU? I think Georgia had an argument to be in the playoff over Oklahoma with the South Carolina loss. So you buy, after it came out, Rob Mullen said that there was a debate for four and five. It was Oklahoma versus Georgia. I think that's outrageous. I get the strength of schedule. I get the strength of record. Metrics are in Georgia's favor. I think the loss to South Carolina is way, way worse than the loss to Kansas State. That's why I don't think there's an argument there. So you, again, let's separate this. Do you truly believe that they would still be in at four? Or do you think that they should be in at four? I think they would be. So let me make that very clear. I think that Georgia would be four. I think they would have gotten in over Oklahoma even a day after the LSU blowout. I I do too. We agree on that. In the present moment, as things turned out, I like that Oklahoma got in. And it has nothing to do with the whole Big 12 connection thing, right? It has to do with the fact that at a certain point, you have to reward teams for what they did. And Oklahoma is a one-loss team that won their conference and beat a really good team in Baylor twice, one of which was in Waco. At a certain point, you have to reward teams for what they did. But it goes back to what I was talking about in in the last sort of bit that we were doing with, with Oregon. The committee has emphasized that what they care about is the four best teams, and they don't care the path or, or the accomplishments or the resume to some degree. They want the four best teams. Do you think Oklahoma is a better team than Georgia? Because I don't. I would flip a coin. I don't know. Honestly, the first three quarters of that Big 12 championship game, and I was tweeting this like crazy, I didn't think either of those teams should be in. I, I'm, I'm fine with that argument. Yeah, I'm fine with putting Oklahoma and Georgia on the field. I think it would be a great game. I don't know. I think this is, I mean, you've mentioned this, I think, three or four weeks ago. One of the, we've had a couple of times with the playoff, like, can we just leave the fourth team out? That's what it felt like to me. That's what it felt like this year to me. Even though the Oklahoma looks looked good for parts of that game and they look great in the second half against Baylor earlier this season, Oklahoma just doesn't feel like the fourth best team, but I don't know who the fourth best team is. Let's just give LSU a bye. Ohio State and Clemson can play. The winner plays LSU. That's how I felt this season. So I don't know if I would say which team is better. I would listen to any argument that Oklahoma is better. I would agree with any argument that Oklahoma is better. Same for Georgia. Anyway, back to South Carolina. Uh, I I think, first of all, and and this is something I don't think we do enough, major credit, major credit, wow, uh, major credit to McQuamu, who had the pick there on the tipped ball, but in that game for South Carolina had three picks including one that was returned for a touchdown. I mean, he was the reason South Carolina won that game. And nobody cares. Like, it's just about Fromm's interception, even though Fromm didn't throw the interception. I mean, Simmons should be credited with the interception. He, he's going to be please? at, like, an enterprise 10 years from now and be like, let me tell you about this Saturday I had in 2019, like, where I balled out. And they're going to be like, could I get, like, a mid-sized sedan? Like, See, they, they give you the tools to be your own boss. <laughs> So we agree that George, we agree that Georgia stays in. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think with the loss, they have an argument to be in the field, and, and Mullins confirmed that. And 
Mullins is a guy I have not believed a lot of the things he said, and that's by design, and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But when he said that, I believed him. I believed that they had a real debate about who is who is better, Georgia or Oklahoma, and I'm okay with the decision to put Oklahoma in because they're more deserving, but I think that Georgia's better even though they lost to South Carolina. So if you give them that win, if you take that play away and they end up winning that game, and by the way, that game was a mess. There were missed field goals and interceptions and fumbles everywhere. But if you give them that game, I don't know how they're not in. Let's talk about the other side of that. Unless you have anything else to add here, let's move on to the Big 12 championship game. New freshman Jacob Zeno just entered the game. Showing off a strong arm, and he's on target again! It's Chris Platt all the way to the 10-yard line. Okay, this is a weird one because this is also the play that set up the tie for Baylor, but oddly, it ultimately cost Baylor the game. Let's make it clear. If Platt does not have that catch and run, Baylor probably loses that game anyways. But because he was tackled before the end zone, they had to settle for a field goal. I find that kind of bizarre. Are you okay with me saying that's the play that ultimately extended the game, but it's also the play that cost them the game? I think this is the one game we have on this list where there's a couple of different plays you could pick. I'm, I'm totally fine with you picking this one. I'm fine with your breakdown. I'm fine with your the conclusions that you've drawn. I just think that the, the way this game progressed, it wasn't even like weird or unusual. I just think how it happened, there were a lot of really tight inflection points where it but is... What other play could you say definitively that... Because when, when he got tackled, or sorry, if you would have scored that, that touchdown, like we've said all along, Baylor wins that game, in my opinion. I'm very confident. You agree with that, right? Yes. When he got tackled, I was not very confident that Baylor was going to win that game. Even though they were having these outrageous plays with Zeno at quarterback, I still wasn't confident that they were going to punch the ball in. When he got tackled, when he's running there, I'm thinking Baylor's winning this game. When he gets tackled, I'm thinking Oklahoma's winning this game. I thought an overtime situation favored Baylor. Because really? I thought they were the more balanced team. Okay, going back to what you said before, what other plays in this game could you definitively say would have gone the other, would have resulted you confidently saying that Baylor wins this game? Look, I, I could, you can never say definitively, right? But he, I, I feel With like the most level of confidence comparable to this fairly play. Fairly high level of confidence. I would say in the neighborhood of this play, maybe not quite as high, but pretty close. You look at Oklahoma's overtime possession. Jordan Williams gets called for a face mask after a two-yard run on first down. And instead of having second and eight on the 23, Oklahoma has first down basically at the 10-yard line, and they score two plays later. I think Baylor has a really good chance to hold him to a field goal there, and if Oklahoma has a three-point lead instead of a seven-point lead going into Baylor's possession— even if everything else stays the same, which is sort of the model we're operating on, even if they have fourth and long in overtime, the field goal's still on the table, and I think Bay- overtime favors the more balanced team, which I think is Baylor. So I-, I do think that face mask really changes the complexion of the end of that game. Yeah, I think that's fair. It- I think it's fair, but I also still want to say that if you had had second and, yeah, it was a two-yard run, or no, it was C.D. Lamb pass. Sorry, it was C.D. Lamb reception. Uh, if it was second and eight from the 23, because it would have started the 25, would have been at the 23. If you had asked me in that moment, I'm still taking Oklahoma to win that game. I'm more confident that Oklahoma can score on whatever number of plays they need, second and eight from the 23, than Baylor. 
I mean, yeah, it could go into a second overtime, but still in that moment, I am more confident in Oklahoma winning as opposed to after that Platt game. So I, I, that. I think that's fair. I don't think that's outrageous. I, I disagree, but I don't think that's crazy. I, I, I think I, that's a defensible position. And I don't think we have a whole lot to discuss playoff scenario-wise here because if, if Baylor wins that game, they're four. Yeah. That's easy. Whoever wins Oklahoma, that game is the four after right, and the then Friday o- night game. Oklahoma finishes, I don't know if they're ahead of Oregon, maybe. They're they're finishing six or seven, but Baylor is number four. There's absolutely nothing to discuss there. Baylor is four if those plays don't happen, we believe. Chase, this is something that I mentioned to you before we hopped on here when we were kind of going over these plays. Of the, the five plays that we have here, I'm the least confident in this failed North Carolina two-point attempt that it would have resulted in a different playoff field. But I still think it would have. So with that, let me be clear. If North Carolina converts there, I think Clemson wins. Or excuse me, Clemson loses that game. I am very confident in saying that. Do you agree with that part? Yeah. Even with that loss, I'm not positive that Clemson stays out of the field. And this is kind of an extension of what we just talked about with their strength of schedule. I think with that strength of schedule, which is, again, by far the worst of any playoff team ever, with that strength of schedule, I think they're out I'm not as confident as the other scenarios. I think Georgia would have been in, and I think going back to what Rob Mullins said about that four-spot debate, that made me pretty sure of this. When I was making this list right before the playoff rankings came out in preparation for this, I wasn't sure what we were going to hear from Rob Mullins that would make me think one way or the other. But again, when he made that comment about Oklahoma and Georgia, that they were seriously considering the fourth and fifth spot, I again, I also believed him on that. I haven't believed a whole lot of things that he said I don't really like how he's answered things, but I get it. Yeah, because his believe- job, not to go off on a tangent, but his job is to not answer questions. Right, but I still think that, that Jeff Long and Kirby Hocutt have been better at doing that and giving us information without giving us too much information. I, I just think don't they're like- better, they've been better at making us feel like we have more information. I don't think we've actually had more information. That's fine. I just want to feel good. <laughs> so I think Georgia would have been in. Because of what he said, that's what kind of moved my needle. If they were actually debating Oklahoma and Georgia for four, I'm pretty confident that Georgia would have been in over Clemson if Clemson had lost to North Carolina. And going back to it, Clemson doesn't, they don't have a good win on their schedule. They don't. don't. Here's, okay, a couple things. Number one, here's what we can't simulate. You were talking about how you, this is the one you're least confident on. It's because of the sprawl. It's because of how early it is and how all of the possibilities branch out from this, right? So that's number one. We can't simulate two months of ESPN and talk radio talking about what one loss Clemson looks like in the field compared to all these other teams. We have no idea how that would go, what the talking points would be, how it all shakes out. So so we we just can't figure that out. There's no way to figure it out. Um, what I can... I think they would still be in. Um, I, I think they would still be in because they're still clearly the best team in the ACC. And even though the ACC isn't very good this year, I think you look at Clemson and you watch them play and you just go, you know what, that's one of the four best teams in the country. And, so and how much does does Georgia's LSU blow it? Again, that still happens. If Georgia loses that game by seven, does that change your mind? Oh, here, first of all, is Oklahoma above Clemson? If Clemson loses to North Carolina, is Oklahoma three, and then we're now having to debate Clemson and Georgia four? That's where we're at, right? What good wins does Oklahoma have besides Baylor? 
They had two Baylor wins. They I mean, have two if, if Baylor the committee, wins. Right, but if the committee thinks that highly of Baylor to put them at eight in the final rankings, you get two of those. Well, they only started thinking highly of Baylor like two and a half weeks ago. But they finished highly on Baylor, so who cares? Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, but do, you, do So do you think that Oklahoma would be three if Clemson had lost? I do. I think they should be three, and I think they would be three. It, I don't know if this is going to sound crazy. It might. It, it almost definitely will, actually. But I'm going to say it anyway. If Clemson loses this game, and I, I want to go back and talk about the actual play here before we wrap this up, but if Clemson loses this game, North Carolina scores on the two-point conversion. If Clemson loses this game, is Oklahoma out? Here's my thought process. Think, I can't see any thought process that would support that. Oak, again, it might be crazy, and I'm fine with everybody going, it, it, I'm fine with everybody going, that is some stone-cold bullshit. Please get off this podcast. Here we're, here's where I'm at. We, it was so easy to put Oklahoma in this four spot, right? If Clemson loses the North Carolina game, it's a little murkier, and now we have to have a real conversation about which two of the three to include out of Georgia, Clemson, and Oklahoma. And I think an increased conversation about this over the span of multiple weeks, it is possible that an increased conversation churns up Clemson and Georgia in the playoff and Oklahoma's on the other side. Yeah, I don't mind where you're going with that. I just don't agree with it at all. I I, I don't think that that would happen. And I'm very curious, and I said this a few weeks ago, God, I can't wait until down the road when these committee members are off and away from college football, and they'll actually tell us the goddamn truth about what happened. That would be a great question to ask them. If that would have happened, and if they remember it, would that have changed it? What is a what is a two team debate like versus a three team debate? That's, I, mean, I think had, that's the that's the meta of my question. What's a right, two team right. debate? Yeah, like I I, I, I just don't agree with it. Yeah. So do you think that I again I think we're going to move on here in a second because we've kind of beat this to death. I think Oklahoma, if Clemson loses North Carolina, I think Oklahoma is three. Clemson and Georgia are battling for the four. I think Georgia wins that that battle. I think Clemson's still three and Oklahoma's still four. That's surprising. Even though it, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Even though Oklahoma, I think, clearly has the better resume than Clemson. There's no question that both are one-loss teams. Oklahoma has the better top wins. They have two wins over Baylor. Clemson doesn't have one win that equals that, right? But... The committee prioritizes what people look like. And if you watch Clemson and you watch Oklahoma, Clemson's the more complete team, and I think they're the better team with the higher ceiling and the higher floor. So I think Clemson's three. All right, before we wrap here, you mentioned to me before we hopped on that you had a couple more that you wanted to discuss. What do you got? I do. And and I want to emphasize that I don't think either of these two plays actually affects the end result, the final end result. But it definitely affects the conversation we have. So that's why I wanted to mention these two. Number one is kind of obvious. Uh, Alabama, 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 I'm not from New York, guys. Alabama kicker Joseph Bulavas misses a 30-yard field goal with two minutes left in the Auburn game. It goes off the left upright. Auburn upsets Alabama 48-45. Auburn was number five. They drop all the way to 12 after that or, or into the teens. They're out of the conversation. They're out of the. They're out of the New Year's Six conversation. They're done. We're not talking about them anymore. If all if Alabama kicks that field goal and wins in overtime, aren't we at least talking about them the last couple weeks? 
run through that, that last part again. Sure. If Alabama kicks the field goal, ties it at 48-48, wins the game in overtime. Because I trust Nick Saban in overtime a lot more than I trust Auburn. It's not a definite thing, but if that one play swings differently, Alabama could certainly win that game. Aren't we talking about the final two weeks of the season a lot differently? Isn't there so a lot of... you're talking about a six-point swing, basically. So let's say that he kicks the field goal, Alabama wins in overtime on a field goal or something. They win by three points. Yeah. You're talking about a six-point swing there. They're still number five when the new playoff and, rankings come out after that. And Oklahoma cannot... So Auburn finished, what, number 12 in the playoff rankings. So the committee thinks pretty highly of them, not... As highly as like a Baylor. Again, yeah, Baylor I mean, at that seven. point, Auburn's what a four-loss team if they lose that game. I said earlier that Baylor finished eight. I don't know why I said that. Baylor finished seven. Wisconsin was eight. Baylor was seven. But anyways, I still think Oklahoma's in. I do too. I, I'm not saying anything's different. I'm saying the conversation is much different. We now have to include. But what about Alabama in every conversation we have the last two weeks of the season? I don't think that, and kind of going to to what you said of shifting, when you said that if if uh, Clemson had lost to North Carolina, you said Oklahoma maybe they don't get in because it shifts the dynamics of that argument. I think the same thing applies here, where it would shift the dynamic, and I don't think the committee is having the argument Oklahoma Georgia. I think they're just putting Oklahoma win Oklahoma in. Yeah, because Alabama doesn't give us that data point that we want. Number one, they're not playing in the SEC championship game. They have one top twenty-five win for the season, and they're not playing the in championship week. So I, again, I, I think Oklahoma jumps them. I think we end up with the same four. But if you're watching, you know, the six-hour pregame show on ESPN Sunday morning, that show looks very different with Alabama in it. Uh. You know, the last couple years we've had UCF and we've had this G5 presence in the conversation. And I think most of us, including both you and I, kind of go, okay, but they're not going to get in, right? I like, love where you're going with this. I already know where you're going with it. And I almost mentioned it in the open. And if you don't, I'm going to look like an idiot now, but I'm almost positive where you're going with it. And I am so excited right now. The very first quarter, the very first play of the fourth quarter, Memphis at Temple. Yeah, okay. So... Brady White just threw an incredible pass, one of his best passes of the season, 20, 30, 35 yards down the field on the right side of the field. They get a huge play. They're down 23-21. They're almost in field goal position. They need one more play. And instead of getting that play and mounting another touchdown drive or mounting a field goal drive and retaking the lead, Brady White fumbles the ball. Temple recovers, goes immediately down the field, scores a touchdown, and instead of Memphis going ahead, it's now 30-21 to Memphis. It's the only loss they suffered on the year, and it was early in the season. If they're undefeated all year, again, I don't think Memphis is in the playoff, but they're in the conversation, and the conversations we have in November around the rankings and around the playoff are very different. I think you picked the right game, the wrong play. Okay. I think it's the the overturn call with it was like a minute twenty or something remaining, where it was. I mean, it was a catch. I mean, yeah, you, there was like maybe like one percent of our. Well, did he really catch it? But on on the video, it was a catch, and they reversed it. That's a yeah, good. I, no, that's a good one too. Yeah, I think I think both of them would have given Memphis the win. Yes. And, again, Memphis would not be in that playoff picture. Although I think this year's Memphis versus UCF two years ago, 
I think they're very similar teams. I think that would have been a hell of a game. If they're those really good teams. Play. I mean, Memphis is really good. They're probably a to top have... 10 team. They're not going to have the ranking. But that, that game with Penn State is for real. I mean, that like that's the is there a bowl game you want to watch more than Memphis-Penn State? No, but I have a, I have a better question for you. Then we're going to wrap it up here. Memphis and Oklahoma are playing on a neutral field. What's the line and who wins? Ooh, um, Oklahoma's got to be a ten point favorite. Oklahoma's got to be the favorite, and they've got it's got to be more than seven points because of the marketplace. It's got to be it's got to be nine to eleven, right? Uh, I would say. Anyways, that doesn't really matter that much. Who wins that game? I'd say 12, 11 to thirteen. Who wins that game? You're actually thinking about it because it's Memphis be is really damn good. It's got to be Oklahoma. I would bet on Oklahoma, but it would be one of those games where if, for whatever reason I didn't watch, you told me Memphis won, I would say, okay. I think Memphis is a damn good team. When but, UCF didn't man, make the playoff, Riley they didn't have the resume. Norvell, man, that's a hell of a matchup. I, th- I think it's the same type of thing as UCF. The resume isn't there, but UCF was like a top five team two years ago. I think Memphis is a fringe top five team. Yeah, I agree. God, that was a good hire. I thought Florida State was going to botch that. I just assumed they were going to botch that. I don't even dislike Florida State, but I was almost kind of like mad or bitter that they got it right. Because <laughs> you're, right? you're just expecting, you know, this more of the same. Yeah, I'm just like expecting you to hire like, like yeah. Butch Jones or yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. retread, yeah. whoever. Like if USC fires Clay Helton, <laughs> Florida State scoops him up. I'm expecting something like that. I'm not expecting you to grab one of the best G5 coaching candidates of all time, in my opinion. I feel, I just I feel like a week ago you would have made a Lane Kiffin joke here, but Lane Kiffin got hired by an SEC school. I don't even love that hire. I think Mizzou made the best hire of those three SEC openings. I agree. How about Steve, really quickly, how about Steve Adazio going to Colorado God, State? I saw that today. Great hire for Colorado State. I mean, fantastic. I, when I think Colorado State— You can't State, be serious. Do you not like that hire? I can't tell if you're kidding. I love this hire. No, you don't. Why don't you like it? You're lying to yourself. What? Tell me why you don't like it. Tell me what there is to like. He on what level of of going five hundred at Boston College and uh, what what? I like. What? It's one of the best G five. It's probably a top five G five job. Uh, it is not. Come on. It's Who, a top what else five G five job. Colorado State. What else is in there? Resources wise, money wise, facilities? It's not Absolutely. a top five job. It's a top. It's a good G five job. It's not a top five job. Come on. Who else is in there? Who else is H- in the top five G five okay, programs? H- Houston is in there. UCF is in there. Boise State. So that's three. Cincinnati. I mean, would you put App State above it? I wouldn't. I would put App, App State State's above a, it. I would put Memphis it's a sun above belt. it. It's a Sun Belt. I don't think you can put App State above Colorado Do you think State. this is a different conversation? Do you think App State's going to stay in the Sun Belt? I hope they don't. I would love to see App State in the American. Wouldn't that be fun? There needs to be a 30 for 30 on App State. How is there? How does this not already exist? I want to know what Colorado State is. Maybe I just need to sit down and actually rank them. I'll give you top 15. There's, no, there's no way it's outside the top 10. The, the jobs that I'm confident are better. Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and the American. And I think there's a debate I for think Cincinnati. East Carolina, when it's right, is better than Colorado State. Jesus Christ. 
I no. just think they they're. I get the fan support and I get their all their administration that, no. was wildly inept for like six years. I mean, ten years no. ago they were beating Tech in West Virginia like regularly, like they were right in it. And I know that was you know still when the Big East was around, but still. But there's okay, so those are the three American. Nobody from Conference USA has a better job. FAU is not a better job. Middle Tennessee, North, none of those are better jobs, right? Are we? I mean, the independents. I'm fine with throwing BYU. I would in put there. BYU over Colorado State. Okay, so that's four. So now I we might have put four. Liberty over Colorado State. That's just ridiculous. Nobody from the MAC. Have not you one seen MAC how much job. money they have? Have you? Do you? You know everything about Liberty, and I don't want to piss anybody off. So I'm not even, even going to talk about Liberty. Yeah. Nobody from the MAC is in there. And then you have Boise State, and then what? I don't know if there's a better job. I think that Colorado San State Diego is, State? Is, no, I don't think it is. I think Colorado State is the second best job in the Mountain West. So they'll be the sixth best job. Wyoming? You tell it's me you don't want to get drunk in Laramie? Sixth best job. Stop dodging this. <laughs> Colorado State is the sixth best job in the group of five. Uh, it means they're not top five. I'll take my victory. Even if you want to put, put App State or whatever, I'll stretch it to top eight or top ten. I'll accept your apology whenever you're ready. But Colorado State is a fantastic job, and they just hired Steve freaking Adazio. It's a good job, and I like the idea of a run-heavy Colorado State. I hate the hire. All right, let's wrap it here. I'm on Twitter, at adowdy 88 Chase on Twitter, at ChaseAKitty. Again, at High Motor Pod. Really curious whether the plays you would throw in there. I think those are the five plays. It seems like Chase agrees with me. Those are the five plays. Really curious what you think. We'll be back throughout our bowl season. We'll probably hop on here in a few days or a week or so. Go over some bowl lines. A lot bowl of other fun baby. stuff. Gotta love bowl lines. Bowl meaningless lines. games. Betting on meaningless games. Talk about the better. Frisco Bowl. And then we'll have a whole bunch of guests on here in the next couple of months uh, as we get into the offseason. But thanks for dropping by. Always love to have you. This is the High Motor Podcast. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in